The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. All right. We are in John 6. John chapter 6. If you want to turn in your Bibles... John chapter 6 is full, Jesus feeding the 5,000, Jesus walking on the water, and then Jesus talking about him being the bread of life sent down from heaven. There's just really a lot in here. We'll see how we get along uh, moving through here. So let me, uh, let's just start um, by reading John chapter 6. Let's look at verses. We'll, we'll read verses 1 through 6, kind of set the stage about what's going on here. Okay, John 6. It says, uh, sometime after this, after Jesus had healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, they leave, and it says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside, sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where should we buy food or where should we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked him this only to test him for he already knew what he had in mind that he was going to do. Father, there's, a, there's just a lot of ways that you want to speak to each and every one of us individually, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just do that today through, through the word, through the message, through comments, that you would just speak into our hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> first of all, I want to point out the fact that, again, the crowd is following Jesus. And again, they're following him because of the signs, because of the signs of him healing the sick. That's why they're following him. And so it's not because that they believe he's the Messiah. Uh, They're not following him to find out how they can enter into the kingdom of God. It is the signs that that have drawn the people to Jesus. And so... The people are coming, they leave. Jesus decides he's going to take his disciples up on the side of the mountain to talk to them. And, I, you know, I, I, I always wonder when I read through John, he always has certain information that nobody else has, and you wonder why, and is there a purpose behind it? And I'm thinking, absolutely. Everything in here has a purpose. So I thought about verse 4. John's the only one that adds this little comment in there. He just says, look, this is what was happening. He goes up the sign. Now, uh, uh, it says the Jewish Passover festival was near. And so in my mind, I'm thinking that, you know, John is writing this way after all this had taken place. And so, you know, I don't know why he put that specific detail in there. Maybe it was just a reminder as the people are reading just to remember why Jesus, is, why Jesus came, what Jesus had fulfilled. Maybe he just drops this in for them at this moment just to kind of connect the dots as to 
who Jesus was. And then remember also that the Passover was all about what it was all about. It was about the lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of his people, which Jesus, uh, which really pointed to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So, you know, um, a lot of times when we read the scriptures, you know, there's these little sidebars there. There's, there's these pieces of information that sometimes we pass over. Maybe I wonder if we should, that you know, they're there for a purpose, they're there for a reason, and I believe that John drops us in there just to keep the people focused on who Jesus is and why Jesus came. So they're up on the side of the mountain, and then Jesus looked out, and he saw the crowd coming to them, a large crowd, a great crowd coming to him. And so he turns to Philip. I don't know why he turns to Philip. Maybe because Philip was from the near town of Bethesda. I'm not sure. But he asked Philip, uh, maybe Pete, Philip was just a guy standing next to him. He says, hey, where are we? Gonna, where are we? Notice it didn't say you. Where are we going to buy enough food to feed all these people? And, you know, I'm sure that Philip is, the, I'm sure that question like caught him off guard. And immediately says that Jesus only asked him that to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. And so I, I'm thinking, you know, Jesus just turns to him and the reason Jesus puts Philip on the spot is so that he can put him in a situation so that his faith will grow. Now, I think this is something that we kind of fail to, can, to keep in mind maybe. You know, as we, like them, our disciples, were learning and growing that what's the test for? Well, the tests are, may, are there to help us grow stronger. James says it this way. He says that the testing of our faith produces endurance. It produces a stick to it It produces a strength in our life. Because the end result of that perseverance, that endurance, is a growth in maturity. And so, I got to thinking about this. You know, Jesus, he had already healed the sick. The disciples had already seen him do that. So if Jesus would have turned to Philip and said, uh, there was a sick man and they were wondering what to do, they would have just marched him right up to Jesus for the man to be healed because they had seen that before, right? But this is, this is something new. The, the, the disciples haven't been here before. It, and, and I think that sometimes maybe we can be, I think a lot of times what we are is we, we get a little hard on uh, when we're reading through scriptures and we're going, hello, how stupid could you be? Right? But they're, they're in the moment. They're facing new things. They're facing new challenges, new situations. So they're on this, like, they're on this learning curve. And in the same way, we are on a learning curve, right? They're living out this life in front of them one day at a time, one situation at a time. In all of it, they, like us, are learning more about Jesus. And, and it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. 
you're going to face situations that you haven't faced before. Maybe not, um, you know, I think you could probably categorize situations, but I think in some details, there's things that we're going to face that we haven't faced before. And what we're going to need to do is the same thing that they needed to do. They're going to need to look to Jesus, right? So Jesus already knew when he asked Philip this, he already knew that he was going to just create food for thousands of people. But they had no idea that was going to happen. So when he looks to Philip, maybe he was looking to Philip for him to maybe think Philip would have a solution. Or maybe he looked to Philip to say, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where we're going to get food, but you're like the son of God. Maybe, maybe you can do something about it. And so, again... When we're reading through these accounts, in, I always try to drop myself in the story, and, and you already know there's a lot more that's going on, a lot more that's taking place and happening. There's probably a lot more conversation. And in this accounting of Jesus feeding the 5,000, he has less details about this accounting than the other writers do, than Mark and Matthew have. They, they have more stuff that they have in there. And so... You know, he's the, maybe, again, he's thinking that Philip might ask him, so what, I don't know, what are you going to do about it? Because for him and his disciples, they're around, now think about it, it says 5,000 men, and you've heard this before, I'm sure, specifically there were 5,000 men. Well, how many women and children were there? So it's, it's hard to gather what kind of crowd, and to think, Really, at that time, I mean, even now, uh, you know, you got uh, 5,000 men and then women and children, and, you know, where are you going to go? You're going to have, you're going to, like, buy out Costco, the two Sam's, you're going to buy out the Winn-Dixie's, and the public's trying to feed that many people on one shot, and then, like Philip said, well, that's a lot of money. Where are we going to get all that? So they're, they're, they're faced with this um, new situation. What are we going to do? And then Andrew, he walks up with a kid with five loaves and two fish. I don't know what that's all about. I think in one of the accountings, I think Jesus said, go look, see what we have. So Philip, you know, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if that was faith, foolishness, or desperation, really. You know, he, could you imagine? I mean, it, really, thousands of people. And Andrew kind of walks up with, with the little kid. Have you ever seen that cartoon about the vulture goes? And the vulture is uh, supposed to, the mom is trying to teach him how to feed, and he's, I remember that, never forget this, in my, it, he's flying along, and he goes, I'm bringing home a baby bumblebee. Won't my mommy be so proud of me? Right? <laughs> She's thinking, you're bringing home enough to feed the whole family. And you got a I'm thinking, this, I've just taken some time this week just to, just to process this all, just the situation that these guys are in. I mean, really, if any one of us was there and it was Aaron, we'd go, okay, you're on your own there, bud. You know, five loaves, two fish, what are you going to do with that? So the disciples, here they are, they're kind of on the inside of a conversation that's taking place, where Jesus has an intention to want to feed the people. And, you know, the people have 
No idea what's going on. The disciples have no idea how this is going to happen. And the people, when they get there, Jesus starts having them sit down, so they're, they're anticipating something. They have no idea what that something is, right? So they all sit down. While they're sitting down, Jesus gives thanks for the bread and for the fish. Then the next thing he does is he says to the, his disciples, now it says, it, it says specifically there were five small barley loaves. Well, a small barley loaf is about the size of a small pancake and thin. And two small fish, no groupers, probably bluegills. Small fish, and it says it specifically, five small. And so I'm thinking... So Jesus blesses it. it. Now, this scenario could probably happen out a lot of different ways. And I'm thinking about a couple ways about how this might have kind of all worked out. But in my mind, this is what it looked like. Jesus takes the bread. Whether he tore the bread in half and gave, had 10 pieces of barley loaf and two fishes he gave to his disciples. But all the disciples are involved in dishing out the food. So here they are, Jesus hands them this loaf, or a half a loaf, and he says to them, go feed them. Now, again, this is like new. His disciples haven't been there before. They've not seen him multiply food. They have no idea what's going to take place. So I'm wondering, in their head, if they're not walking along going, well, this ain't going to take long, right? And like, like for me, if I had the five, if I had my piece, I'd be looking, well, who's the neediest? You know, I'm going to look for the poor person that I think needs the thing the most. And so they walk into the crowd. Now, as they walk into the crowd, they have this in their hand, and Let's just say that it's your family. So just picture your family. You're in a huddle because everybody's sitting down, thousands of people. Who'd you sit with? Well, people you knew. So you got eight or 10 in your group and you're sitting there and he comes up with, this disciple comes up with a piece of bread, just a piece. They see it and he goes, he hands it to them. As soon as he hands it to them, there's another piece. And that person next to him says, can I have two? And he hands him one, and there's another. Now, really, think about this. Or maybe they stuck it in baskets. Why would you... Okay. I got a basket, and I'm putting a little bitty fish in the basket. Or a little bitty piece of bread in the basket. That may have happened. I don't know. Maybe... You know, maybe there were some baskets around, and Jesus grabs the baskets, puts a little piece in, and goes. However that worked out, because even if it was in the baskets, they fed thousands of people and never had to go back to replenish, right? So think of it. You're in the group. You see this all transpire. I know what I'm doing. I'm going, I'm rubbing my eyes. I'm going, wait a minute. Could you, I mean, the, each group, where they were at, they're just watching this play out. 
This is something. One piece, whoa, another piece, another piece. And it says this, that they all had as much as they wanted. So, you know, they're going around. You see the people at the buffet. There's some people, they get two big plates. I'm sure nobody was shy. Right, Fred? You would have said, hey, can I have like three pieces and four fish? I'm hungry this morning. Right, Levi? How many would you want? I mean, you know, if they're going to feed me, feed me. As much as they wanted. This miracle that took place, if I'm a disciple in doing this, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm amazed that this is taking place. The people are amazed it's, it's taking place because they're watching it. Twelve guys run around feeding thousands of people. They're watching the whole thing. What's going through their mind, right? So, they feed everybody. Everybody's got as much as they wanted. There's this stir in the crowd because of all of it that's taking place. Because... This did not go unnoticed by the people. Matter of fact, it probably, you know, if, you, if we're in a crowd this big and something like that's happening and somebody doesn't see it, there's just a stir. Everybody's telling, do you see that? Now everybody's watching. I just got to imagine that in this scenario, there's a, there's a ripple of whispers or there's a ripple of talk and everybody's watching these 12 pass out this food. All, the whole crowd's watching this take place. So, pause for a second. You know, I got to thinking about, uh, is there a significance in five loaves? It, what's the significance of five? And then we learn that they pick up 12 basketfuls afterwards. It says, when they had enough to eat... Then Jesus, so it wasn't just that he fed them. He says when they had had enough, there was like more than enough. So he tells them to go gather what's left over. He said, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered and they filled 12 basketfuls that had been left over that had not been eaten. So I'm always, I'm processing, I'm thinking, well, is there a significance in the number five and the number 12? So five loaves. Well, biblically, number five symbolizes God's grace, goodness, and favor towards humans. I didn't come up with that. I googled it. Reputable sources, right? I, I didn't get this from Oprah. And then 12, there were 12 baskets left over, and 12 symbolizes God's power and authority. So, I mean, I'm not jumping in deep in the theological end here, but just think with this, think this out for a second. So you, here you have this miracle taking place that you get to see God's goodness, power, and authority demonstrated to the people. That is a part of what's taking place here. Because John is writing to reveal to the people who Jesus is. Yeah. 
I'm wondering, and I think I made comment about this some weeks back, I'm wondering when we get to heaven how many times we miss seeing something that was there that God did for us that we missed. This whole week I've been just, I've just been, I don't know, just continually just kind of been overcome and overwhelmed and grateful for God's presence in my life. The, the littlest of things. This week, like, I, I'm always, throughout the course of a day, I don't know how many times it happened, but I'm always going, thank you, Jesus. Because, see, I realize my life doesn't run on coincidence, it runs on providence. But this week, I've just been, I've just been mused by the fact that uh, who Christ is in us in his care and concern over our lives. I mean, at some point, Jesus rescued each and every one of us. At some point, he's done things specifically for us that was no doubt in our mind you knew it was him. He proved himself to you. And it's like this scenario that's being played out as, uh, as he includes. I mean, you know, he could have just, just went... Three times slapped his hand, everybody had food in front of him. Could have done it that way. But he involves his disciples, and his disciples are a part of this miracle that's playing out, and they're amazed along with the people. So I'm thinking, we know that John said uh, in John uh, 20, 31, it says Jesus did, the, you know, Jesus did a lot of miracles. But I'm writing about these ones in particular. And so I'm thinking, all right, well, why this one? Why this miracle in particular? I don't know. I, uh, I'd be interested to hear what you have to think, so think about that. Why did John choose this miracle to reveal who Jesus was? And when I, I was processing that, but then I got to thinking, well, you know, I mean, sometimes we look at these things and we miss the practical side of what they are. I mean, not to run down a rabbit trail way off in the weeds, the practical side of it. You can hear that. But really, on a practical side, Jesus used this miracle to build faith in his disciples. And the people were following him simply because they saw the miracles and healings. And so Jesus also uses people to reveal who he was to the people, to build faith in the people, not just that he could heal, but that he was truly the Son of God. So on a practical side, he did that. So for us, maybe, also, there could be this takeaway that when we face impossible situations, we should look to Jesus instead of trying to figure it out on our own. Like the disciples, I think, we find ourselves in new situations. And you will find, especially as a new believer, and living in this life out, you're going to find yourself in new situations that you've never encountered before. And each of them, and in each of them, you're going to learn that you need to do the same thing in all of them. Trust Jesus. You need to look to Jesus. How, how often is it that that's kind of, maybe not the last resort, but it's not the first three decisions in your day, Right? But it's really where our lives need to be when we're facing situations and new situations that we just need to look to Jesus. Maybe Jesus did this just to prove his self-sufficiency. I'm not sure. But ultimately, I do know this. 
that as we read through chapter 6, we learn that John used this miracle as a basis for revealing that Jesus was the bread of life, the true bread that was sent down from heaven. And in, in maybe not next week, but the week after, we're going to spend some time talking about that. See, John pointed to the fact that Jesus really didn't perform the miracles just for miracles' sake. He wanted to use each and every one of them to point at the reality of the, who the Son of God is. And for the most part, if we would have been there, we would have been amazed at the miracles, and we would have been thankful for what the miracle provided in our life. But there, what they did in this miracle... Uh, in the miracles, you can see that they fail to understand the message. And so, now this is really making a lot of sense to me. John writing some 30, 40 years later, all the, all the apostles had died, all the New Testament writings were written, John is the last of the writers, John writes to give insight into the purpose behind the miracles. So, it's like they were getting, um, it was getting fuzzy, it was getting diluted, there wasn't focus. You, you think about the, the early church and you think that many years later how so much stuff had crept in. And John is going, boy, oof, this is, this is, we're off. And it's almost like Jesus, uh, John, God uses John just to, just to kind of shore things up and bring it back and focus. And John uses these miracles, not to say that Jesus was wonderful, but to say that Jesus was the son of God. So to focus. All right. Anybody got any thoughts so far about this? So, um, what I, I think is so many things to learn from this um, Jesus feed. I think it should be more than 5,000 because including the woman and the children. Um, but I, one thing I really get from this is that... Um, Jesus, God had given us all gifts. And sometimes we don't think that we're enough. Like whatever, like, for example, this kid have the five loaf of bread and the five fish. And he's thinking, people are thinking, that's not enough. And that's why we, sometimes we think we're not enough. But God is telling us here that whatever he has given us, we're enough. We're enough to do great things. And that's what I, I'm getting from this passage from the Bible, that um, he wanted for us to learn that whatever he has given us, we have to use it for the best. And that, that's what I, I learned from this passage. Okay. Somebody else? Uh, right behind you. Um, particularly want to comment about uh, observation about Philip. Philip, who hesitated taking that 
believing that they, they can feed 5,000 people or more. And the hesitation that he has. But Philip enacts the same person who jumped on the eunuch's carriage is a transformed person at that moment. So that's how I relay on the story. That as myself, I hesitate. And I see the moment, my moment at that time, and the moment when Philip was engaging onto the miracles that is going to happen. And then Philip, when he actually shared and just jumped without hesitation, and the miracle happens, that that person, the eunuch, accepted Christ. Mm. And he just jump away and then disappear. I mean, how much of us would see that our con uh, presence to the future? Because we have all this difficulty, like what you mentioned. You're overwhelmed. We are overwhelmed with all the situation that is happening. But at that time, the same thing that Philip is overwhelmed at that situation. And then transcribe during Acts how he believe and his faith and the miracle that happened transcribe at that moment with the eunuch. That's just beautiful for me. And then that's what we didn't see because our life is we struggles of who we are and what we are and what we stand in Christ. And then here when that happened, that's what reminds me. And then Philip, when he actually sharing, he went to India and then he went without fear and then share the gospel of Christ. It's just that one person, all of that 5,000 that you said received all this, dissipated, and many believe with that miracle. But that's just what I saw when Philip was being asked, particularly in this, to really start it, to find food to feed, which miracles will happen. But miracles happen in him. Mm, that's good. Somebody else? Yeah, it's just amazing how a little boy could see the promises of God versus the disciples. And, you know, the disciples were so worried about where are they going to get this? How are they going to do this? They didn't have enough, so they gave little. But the boy also gave little, too. Well, the boy gave everything he had. He really, gave everything he it. had, exactly. You wonder if he overheard the conversation. Right. <laughs> or if it was Andrew that initiated it. So, huh? so I think it's about giving. Okay. How much are we going to offer God? And then when we, when we don't, how is God going to use us? Okay. Dominic? Uh, I thought it was interesting how you expounded on the number five, and then it made me think that there was also two two fish. So five and two is seven, and um, seven is God's perfect number, is number of wholeness and completeness. And God, Jesus was feeding the people spiritually, but then he also fed them physically. And it just made me think of how he is everything that we need. Mm, that's good. Someone else? Uh, Anne? Um, in verse 2, when it talks about the, the signs, and then it talks about it again in 14, and it says, therefore, when the people saw the sign, meaning this particular sign performed, 
somebody says, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. This is a question that was asked of John the Baptist when, in chapter 1 when um, they want to know, are you the prophet? And this prophet is spoke about in chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, and it's God identifying this, what this prophet is. And he says, um, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you of, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Oreb on that day of assembly, saying, let us not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let us not see this great fire anymore, or I will die. They were afraid of the presence of God that they had seen then. But he said, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them all to them all that I command him. And it shall come about, whoever does not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will require it of him. So we know that's Jesus because, you know, God said it's believing that Jesus is who he said he is. And Jesus says, I came to tell you the truth, and he continues to do that. And so somebody recognized him as being that prophet from that miracle. And it's just um, just very interesting to me. I just saw that when I, we were reading through it, and I glanced down, and I saw the prophet there that that's who it was talking about. Because remember when he, they're in the wilderness, too, the, he's feeding them every single day. And he's going to talk about that later in 6, that he's feeding them every day. And it's supernaturally. And so, again, it identifies him as God. Mm -hmm. You know, everything we're seeing in John is showing us that Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. And it becomes very evident. And somebody recognized that. That's good. Doug? I should have gone before Ann. Um, so, I, yeah, looking at the same thing. But so, so my version says this, uh, basically the same thing in Deuteronomy, of course. I command him, if anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will, will call him into account, right? And so Jesus talks about that, right? I am who I am. The only way to the Father is through me, um, you must be reborn, right? Uh, again, it's the deity and spiritual side of things is you can live life. If you're not born again, you don't, you're living life without the Holy Spirit in you, right? And that's what is needed. Um, when we first started reading this, I was laughing, you know, because we've had conversations like this just in daily life, you know. What shall we buy bread for these people to eat? If I'm Philip, I would look at him and say, oh, this is all you, bro, because <laughs> uh, I have no idea, right? Um, and to your point, I, you know, I don't know about singing about bumblebees and vultures, <clears throat> but I'm thinking, you know, these baskets that are walking around with like Mary Poppins. They're just like endless. They just keep pulling stuff out, right? And people are going, and, and then the fact that there's an abundance, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like was said earlier, is I think, you know, the Lord, everything is, everything that we've talked about, you know, where he went, what he was doing is, is purposeful. No coincidence. You know, I'm going here to do this. I'm going here to do that. Now, he doesn't tell them that up front, but I'm going here to do this. <clears throat> and that's the situation, I think, with Philip. I'm asking him, 
so that Philip, because he does that to a bunch of disciples throughout, right? Points yeah, out. He points out something and they go, ah. Uh. Mm. And then later you see in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in all those situations that you don't uh, have any idea what to do, Jesus has in his mind what he's already going to do. Good stuff. Again, so this miracle's different. You know, they'd seen healings, but this they'd never seen before. And as Anne brought out in Deuteronomy chapter 18, now the people recall this prophecy or this word from Moses that God was going to send a prophet that was going to be like him. So they recognize that. The crowd recognizes it. I'm sure, again, just just think of all the commotion that was taking place throughout the whole thing. Maybe even while it was the miracle was taking place and they were seeing it, all, there's all this conversation that's going on. I mean, you know, you got a bath, you had a basket of bread and you were handing out and they're setting down. Are you holding the basket up here and you're pulling it out like, uh, you know, you're pulling the winning number out of the hat. No, you get the basket down. The people are seeing what's going on right in front of them. So they surmise, oh, this must be, they say, surely this is the prophet who came into the world. And then verse 15, it says, then Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and making king by force, he redrew himself to a mountainside by himself. And so in their mind, I wonder if it was, all right, This is the prophet like Moses. So Moses fed the people. Moses delivered the people. Here this one is like Moses. He fed us. Maybe he'll deliver us as well. Because it says that Jesus knew what their intentions were. They they put one plus one. Moses is a deliverer. This guy's, this is the deliverer. So they decided that they were just going to, by force, they were just going to take and make him king. But the sign, that it's funny, that here's a sign, and the people deduce correctly that this is the one that Moses talked about. But they had the interpretation or their understanding of that was incorrect. They were looking for a political leader to deliver him, right? They were not looking for the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. And so they interpret it wrongly. So among the people, there's this movement, start of a revolution against the Roman rule in Palestine, proclaiming Jesus as king. So Jesus just withdrew himself, separated himself from this situation. And I think it's in... uh, I don't remember if it's Mark or Matthew, one of them, it says Jesus told his disciples to go get in a boat and go on the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And in my mind, I'm thinking this scenario where you wonder, are the disciples caught up in this? You know, now, you, I mean, you have thousands of people going, this is, this is him, this is, this is the one. And they're going to do what they think they need to do, and that's make him king. And Jesus is going, well, i gotta, I got to shut this down. Maybe the disciples are getting all caught up in this 
scenario. Maybe they're going, maybe they're talking among themselves going, yeah, yeah, maybe this is what we need to do. And so Jesus just stopped all that. Matter of fact, it says that when he told them to get in the boat, I think it's in Matthew's account, it says he compelled them to go. He compelled them to leave. And so the people, again, misunderstanding why Jesus came. Think in our own lives. I mean, even as believers, we get some things correct and other things we don't. You know, it's, I'm, I know my sister, uh, uh, her thing is, um, she thinks that uh, when she received Jesus, that she should, that Jesus should just kind of make life the way she wants life made. You know, there's, whoa, whoa, in my life, that no, 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 no trials, no trouble, no temptations, blessing, 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 Right? So we can, mis- we can misinterpret, even us, we can misinterpret what Jesus is doing in our life and is wanting to do in his life. See, the reason that he came into the world was to rescue us and to do what? Conform us into the image of his son. He came and he rescued our life so that we would be ambassadors for him so that we would be the ones that would be, I'm trying to think of the word, it's skipping my mind for some reason, uh, uh, come on, Tracy, dunk, dunk, dunk. Uh, ministers of reconciliation. So sometimes in our life we just get going in life and the crowd around us is misperceiving really the situation and what's going on, and we've got to just keep dropping back and got to keep saying to ourselves, why are we here? Why did he redeem my life from destruction and crown me with loving kindness? He had a purpose in it. So I am so grateful that we have the Spirit of God resident in our life as a teacher to us, And like uh, Sid said, you know, Philip before the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit and Philip after the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, very different individual. I'm also grateful for his word. And I'm going to just finish with this thought. Because his word teaches us. Uh, Again, I'm such a huge advocate of us being in the Word, not to read it to read it, but to read it to think on it, to ponder on it. I mean, I'm grateful what you shared, uh, Sid, about what you gathered from it, and Daria and different ones that shared how it hit your life. And sometimes those are just subsequent things that happen. You know, here you have the big truth, but just think about the subsequent things happen from your revelation of truth and the revelation of, and and your understanding of who he is and who he is for you and what he's wanting out of your life. And so the word of God, it's important for us because it helps us understand correctly so that we can have this right understanding and this right relationship. 
so that what can happen for us is that we can help others. You know, it's interesting, Jesus, you, in my mind, you would have thought that Jesus would have, uh, could have just dealt with it right there. Got his disciples there, and you have this mass of people, and they're wanting just to take him by force and be king. Could he have just stood there and said, whoa, silence, it's, this is wrong, that's not why I'm here, this is why I came. Uh, none of that took place, and for whatever reason, I have no idea. And for whatever reason in our lives, why Jesus just doesn't go, in the moment, just sit us down and explain everything that's going on. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be fun? But what happened is, is through the process of their becoming, their mind just keeps reflecting back, reflecting back, reflecting back, and being brought forward to an understanding of who Jesus is. So for us, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, what a wonderful thing.